beautiful story of what happens when we stand up for God, right? Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Fantastic, man. Thank you for sharing. That was amazing. This morning, we are uh, at the very end of our series entitled Jesus the Radical. And uh, we've kind of gone through uh, what the disciples look like, what the church looks like, uh, what he as an individual look like. And um, so now we get to the, the point of just uh, now what? What do we do with all this information? What do we do with, uh, with what we've learned? And um, you've probably got a, a basic understanding of the direction we're going this morning from the discussion groups that we had uh, just a little while ago. But I want us to turn to a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 9. And um, Jesus does some things in Luke chapter 9 that's a little bit different than uh, what we see throughout scripture. You know, we, we know that he... He grabbed some, some crazy guys out of their jobs from, from everything from uh, fishing to you know, just doing some dock work to, uh, to tax collecting. He grabbed all these, but he also sent out many more. And uh, he commissioned them. He sent them out. We looked at that great commission uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, but I want us to focus on this, this passage of scripture here for just a few minutes this morning. Luke chapter 9, very end of the, of, of the chapter. There's a lot of verses in this chapter. I'm glad I didn't have to memorize this chapter when I was a kid. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57, all the way down in verse 57. Follow along with me. I don't think I've got this one on the screen. So uh, this is where you're going to want to keep your, uh, your ribbon in your Bible, uh, your bookmark in your, in your phone or, or tablet. Um, this is where we'll come back to several times uh, throughout this message. Thank you for being here this morning. And um, before we dive into this passage, let's uh, look to God in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for the opportunity today. Uh, to dig more in to the things that you established when you were here on this earth and how you got these guys up and motivated and moving. And God, I pray that as we look at these things that we can do that very same thing and, and understand where we should go from here. God, please bless this morning. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Uh, as they walked along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow wherever you go. That's a great commendable statement, right? I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Why would Jesus reply with that? I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. Why would he throw this back at this person and say, hold on a sec, you need to rethink this because it's not as easy as it looks. Jesus is kind of thinning the herd here. Look at what he says to the next guy. Uh, he said to another, come, follow me. But the man agreed, but then he said, first, Lord, let me return home and bury my father. Jesus said, let the spiritually dead bury their own. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Well, we understand that when we sign up to follow Jesus, that we're, we're following him to a great cause. We are not necessarily following him to Easy Street. And Jesus is kind of thin in the herd here. This second guy, he, he really is saying here that he's not saying, well, well, my father died and I need to go bury him. Really what he's saying is, my father's about to die and I'm going to go and wait until he dies and then I will come follow you. Jesus' response seems a little harsh. But think about it. 
Jesus isn't calling us to go to Disneyland. He's not calling us to some joyous occasion. He's asking us to join the cause, to become a true follower of him. Well, let's get real. I see this happen. An unmarried young couple living together, they start to come to church and the spirit begins to convict them and they, and they feel that it's the right thing to do to get married. In order to be a follower of Jesus, they, they plan to get married. But so many times there's a delay. You know, I've got to plan the wedding. We've got to, you know, waiting until they're financially stable to make this decision. And, and waiting until this or that happens. Are they really following Jesus? No. Satan has given them excuses to wait. Not just wait to get married, but really waiting to follow him. If you find that God is calling you, if you break it down even further, if you find something that you, you're doing that is wrong or something that you should be doing that you aren't doing, what should we do? When should we obey? When it's convenient? When the time is right, when the, uh, you know, when the stars are aligned, when should we obey? I think we should be obedient immediately. If you find God is calling you, we need to find that we need to follow immediately. It's easy to say, but, but you and I both know there's been times when we didn't right now, right? We do it in all areas. I've heard some say, well, well, let me get my finances in order and then I, will, then I will give to God. And once I get settled into my new schedule at work, and, you know, then, then I will attend the, the midweek service. We hear all sorts of excuses coming out of our mouths because quite honestly, we are just being selfish. We're being rebellious to what God wants for us. We disobey in many areas of our lives in the same way. And Jesus is sort of thin in the herd here. Are we really committed to follow him or are we not? God's not asking you to have your act together when you become a Christian. But he is asking you that once you accept that forgiveness. And once, you, once he offers you that forgiveness and you accept it and are converted. Then he will work on cleaning you up. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. It says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. When we become a Christian, because of his sacrifice that he died on the cross, rose again uh, the third day, and, and is now living in heaven, God's right hand. By that sacrifice, the sacrifice that he made to save us, he has made us perfect in God's eyes. But forever he is going to be making us holy. He's going to be straightening us out. And as we find that, that God is talking, we need to be listening and obeying. Jesus is thin in the herd. He's saying, count the cost. Don't delay and don't let go. So then the real story starts. Look down there. And, uh, I think that the chapters were divided in the wrong place. But, but Luke chapter 10, let's look at, uh, start, start reading there again in verse 1. Here's where the real story starts. We see that there's some people serving others. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, follow along with me. And he sent them ahead into pairs in the towns and places that he planned to visit. So what are they? They're like an advanced team. He sends them ahead of him. He's going to visit these places, but he sends these 72 out in, in groups, in pairs. 
He says to them, these were, these were instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go. And remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Mm, that's exciting. It's not going to be easy. We're not going to Disneyland. We're not going to Disneyland. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop it to greet anyone on the road. <laughs> Man, alive. We're um, pretty lean and mean when we go out to serve. We don't need all that extra baggage. God's asking us to dive in and get committed and get on it. Don't even greet anyone on the road. Verse 5, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And if you live there, and, and if those who live there are peaceful, and, and blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking whatever they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Verse 8, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if the town refuses to welcome you, go into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town off of our feet to show that we have abandoned you in your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town as this on Judgment Day. They were sent out to do good deeds, right? Yeah, absolutely, they were sent out to do good deeds. But they were also sent out to share the gospel. Look at verse 9 there with me again. It says, heal the sick and what? Tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. They were sent out as Jesus' advanced team. They were sent out ahead of him. These guys were, were opening the door for the message. This is how Jesus did message. Oftentimes, he didn't just go around just preaching the word, just sharing the truth. There was much more than that. Jesus traveled throughout. Look at Matthew 4, 23 and 24. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. But not only did he do that, what else? He also healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness and disease, and if they were demon-possessed or, or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. They were Jesus' advanced team. Jesus moved ahead, and he shared not only the gospel, but he also loved on them, healed them, helped them. They focused on those who were open to their message. If they rejected the message, what was instructed for them to do? Kick the dust off your feet and move on. So look what happened next. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. They reported back. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Wow. This is an amazing report from these 72 men that went out. These 72 people that went out and spread the news and, and opened, that, opened that door for the message and, and was Jesus' advanced team. They came back joyfully reported to him. Man, I love to hear about what's taking place in everyone's ministry. It is such a joy. We report back on Wednesday night oftentimes about the opportunities we've had to love on each other, love on others as well. We've had an opportunity to have those conversations. We report those conversations. It happened often 
in the, in the New Testament, reporting back in Acts 14, in Acts 15, in Acts 21. We see uh, one, in one place, Paul and Barnabas, in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas report back to the elders and all, that had, all that God had done through them. In Acts 14, we see that, that uh, they returned by ship to, to Antioch of Syria, uh, where their journey had begun. So they went right back to where they started. The believers there had entrusted them in the grace of God to do the work, and they had now completed it. They were sharing the good news. Guess what? We got some stuff accomplished. We were able to help out. In Acts 21, they arrived. The brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed them warmly. Paul went out to meet with James and the elders in the Jerusalem church. After greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things that God had gotten accomplished. Man, that's a great thing to be able to report back and um, find out what's going on in everybody's ministry. It's fun to be here together as a group and, and worship on Sunday mornings and praise Him and sing to Him and hear the stories of each and every one of us and what we've gotten accomplished this week. What we've done to help others. The message that we've shared. That's awesome. I love I loved to, to hear. I love to see it. There was a, a bit of a surprise response when Jesus heard what they said. Look at chapter 10. Um, starting in verse 18. Now, Jesus was really impressed with what they, had, uh, what they had gotten done. But look what he brings them back to. Verse 18. He says, yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Wow. It's pretty impressive. Something that these 72 guys got accomplished. That Jesus actually saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and now you walk among snakes and, and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. I don't know that I've ever been bitten by a snake where it didn't hurt. I've seen scorpions, and I run from them. They're not something that I like. Even the little teeny tiny ones. There was one about this big, less than an inch long, that tried to crawl underneath our tent when we were staying down in Lake Powell. I'd never seen a scorpion before, a real-life scorpion. And this little dude, even less than an inch long, was the, one of the scariest-looking creatures I've ever seen in my life. And yes, we ran. We moved stuff out of the way, and we tried to find where he went. I don't want that in my tent. Jesus said, you crush them. You make, you make them look silly. You have authority over the power of the enemy. But look what he comes back to. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. It's registered in heaven. That's what we need to rejoice about. You know, poverty and injustice and poor health are not life's biggest problems. Yes, we should be involved and we should love on people and we should care about them and we should meet their needs and we should help out with whatever we can. But that's not, those are not life's biggest problems. All those things are awful, but they are not the big deal. I'm so grateful for this building, the organizations that meet here in this building, the organizations that operate out of here and the, the, uh, the opportunities that I run into to serve people from here. But let's be real. At the end of the day, at the end of this life, it's not going to matter if you lived in poverty with all sorts of injustices in your life, with bad health, or lived in total wealth with every amenity available and with every good part of life available to you. Everyone, individually, will have their day. 
Their life will be compared. The books will be opened on each life. Wealthy or poor. Healthy or sore. We're all going to face judgment. In the last day it won't matter. If you had to deal with poverty in your life. Or you had everything handed to you on a silver spoon. Mark chapter 8 and verse 36 it says. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Poverty, injustice, and poor health are not life's biggest problems. The next thing I can pull from this is that words without good deeds lack credibility. Words without good deeds lack credibility. With words only, we have nothing. I'm sure you've seen them on the street corner preaching the gospel. Most of the time, these guys have have great things to say. Have you ever stopped and listened to what they have to say? How many of you ever come across somebody stand on the street corner with a bullhorn or with a big old sign or something that they're just out there preaching away? You ever come across them? Yeah, I've seen a few. There was one at the corner of, of the Vegas Strip and the entrance to the Bellagio, right there by the fountains. He had a big old bullhorn, and he was preaching, man. He was unbelievable. And the words he said, the, the, the frame of mind that he was in, he was with it. The scriptures he had memorized would put me to shame. I mean, he was, he was with it and preaching the gospel. But how many heard? Oftentimes those don't have a lot of doing to back what they're saying. We end up just talking to ourselves because no one listens. Words without good deeds lack credibility. But on the other hand, good deeds without words lack eternal impact. We have two extremes. We have this with this, this truth squad that, you know, make, make sure that all the words are truth and that the, those words are shared. But there's no evidence of loving anyone or caring for anyone. And then on the other hand, we have this, this squad that's more or less the, the bleeding heart squad where they meet everyone's needs and they make sure that every, every person out there is, is taken good care of. Want to help everyone and don't want to bother anyone with the truth in words. Let's just love everybody and hope they figure it out. Both are necessary. Words without deeds are are nothing. They don't get anything accomplished. They lack credibility. And good deeds without words lack eternal impact. When we're loving God and serving others, we gain the credibility which opens the door to share the gospel of this radical Jesus that we've been studying. So now what? What does God want? Where do we go from here? Genuine spirituality loves God and loves others, right? That's where it's at. It's, it's not having a, a religion. It's real love for him and real love for others. That's what God wants. How do we love God? John chapter 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Corbin comes running down the hallway with 
something he's not supposed to have. And I say, Corbin, are you supposed to have that? And he goes like this with it, puts it behind his back. Corbin, where'd you get that? Gives you that look like, I don't know. I said, go put it back. What do I do if Corbin just stands there? I escalate, right? One step further, one step further. Corbin, go put it back. Is he obeying in that moment or is he disobeying in that moment? Is he in compliance with dad's will or is he in complete rebellion to dad's will? He's in rebellion, isn't he? And if he doesn't make that turn and take off running down the hallway to put that back, what happens? He's running for another reason because dad's on his way to the spanking stick. If you love me, obey my commands. Jesus wants followers that jump when he says jump. When God calls your life, when God asks you to do something, we saw many ways in that, in that discussion guide this morning that, that God gets our attention to help others. We saw lots of different ways. He can pull on your heart strings. Someone can, can ask for help. Someone in need can say, hey, we need, we need something here. We need, some, we need some food brought this weekend to the funeral. Right? What happens? We heard it, and we did it. We followed through. There was some food that was dropped off this weekend. It was a fantastic deal. So there's other ways that God gets our attention. But when God calls, <laughs> when you're caught in the hallway with something you're not supposed to have, what do we do? God asks us to obey. Matthew 22 and verse 36 says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, everything that we read in the scripture is summed up in this one statement. We find the golden rule right after. Matthew 7, or actually before, in, in the way the scripture is written. In Matthew 7, do unto others as you have them do unto you. The essence of all that is taught, right? Genuine spirituality loves God and our neighbors. Which means we need both obedience and compassion. Compassion without obedience is just being nice, right? Compassion without obedience is just being nice. There's lots of nice people in the world. Compassion without obedience is just being nice. Obedience without compassion is just being ugly. I mean, that's just not even, it's not even good. The most important thing, what we do throughout the week is far more important than anything we'll ever do on a weekend. It's important to go to church. It's important to be in service. It's important to participate in any church meeting. If the church is meeting, we should be there. But these little acts of compassion with, with obedience, they're just not here at services. It's just not here while, while we're here. It's every day. From your office to hers, from your cubicle to his, from your work truck to his, from your playground to hers, from your locker to his. It's each and every one of us in his work 24-7. James chapter 1 and verse 22 through 27 says, but don't just listen to God's word. 
you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing your face in a mirror. You see yourself, and you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion is the side of God. Is, God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's the most important thing. I'm going to end with this passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 10 11 and 12. Look at it with me. 1 Peter 2, 10 through 12. Dear friends, since you are immigrants and strangers in the world, I urge you that you avoid worldly desires that wage war against our lives. Live honorably among the unbelievers Today they defame you as if you were doing evil. But in the day when God visits to judge, they will glorify him because they have observed your honorable deeds. We see Jesus thin in the herd and we see him, we see him coming through and saying, okay, we need to count the cost. We need to be careful about what we're doing. We need to make sure that we're, we're really on track here. And then he sets the stage and he sends them out. He sends them out into all, all, the, all the world. And he sends them out as an advanced team so that they can open up the, the, the door for the message. We understand that it, without, without really digging into truth and doing these loving deeds without those truthful words, it's just it's not going to go anywhere. But on the, same, on, on the opposite side, if we're... If we're loving people without sharing those words, we're not any better off. It's important that we love and love God and serve him by serving others. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had this morning to to dive once in again uh, to this passage of scripture and understand how Jesus sent them out and what he was most concerned about. God, we want to be the, the, uh, the Jesus with skin on that we need to be. God, give us opportunities and allow us to share your love with others. But God, in that process, help us to have that underlying knowledge that, you know what? They need the gospel. They need your saving grace. God, I pray that you'll, you'll allow us to see these things. And God, this week, obey you wholeheartedly with everything we have when you ask. And God, along with that, be able to share some good words with everyone that we're around. God, turn those conversations, cultivate those conversations, uh, transition those conversations into ones that will, will glorify you. God, I pray that you'll bless us now as we go out of here, we go away from here, that we'll be able to share these words with those around us, share your words with those around us, and be all about you. Thank you for, for loving us the way you do. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.